Well, as Doug said, there were words that we wanted to use, there were words we wanted to avoid, and I went back and forth and hemmed and hawed, and I came up with the word promotion. I think what we're going to be talking about today is promotion. I thought that word wasn't quite as ugly as other words, so that's the one I'm going to use. And what we're going to talk about, the outline of what we're going to do today, is we're going to understand the context for our outreach, what we're doing right now. We're going to understand the outreach plan, so you all understand. And we're going to understand things that are just flat-out facts. We'll share those. Then we're going to share articulations. So we certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, so to speak. However, the reverse side of that is one of the things that people enjoy when they come to church here is chatting after the lesson. And a lot of times what will happen is someone will say something and someone else will say, you know, I've, I've had something like that stirring in my own mind, but I wasn't able to articulate it. And now you've said it and that makes sense and thank you very much. So we thought, well, why don't we do the same kind of process for why we come to NRCC, what we have to offer others. So that's why we'll be sharing articulations. If we have time, we'll share ideas. If we run out of time, what I'll say is bookmark those and, and give them to me on the side later. That will work. Um, in the first session, we, we interwove the questions as we went, so we didn't have a full-out answer questions period, and I think that worked well. And then you get stuff. You actually get to take stuff with you, so we'll distribute materials. And I was preparing what I was going to talk about today, and then Doug called me yesterday and said, I have some things to say, and it found out, you know, we were kind of saying the same thing. So some of this is repetitive. Uh, that's good, because generally you have to hear eight, something eight times before you remember it anyway. So this is at least number two for you. So God has assigned some people to us. We believe that. We have something to offer them. And so the way that I look at this is to say we're, we're not about filling seats. We could, we could find easy ways to fill seats on the Sunday morning. That's really not what we're here to do. What we're here to do is to bring into our tribe the, the people who belong here, essentially, is the way that I phrase it. So we're not marketing. When I, when I think of marketing, what I think of is you go out and you do a bunch of research about what people are, are wanting and what they're willing to pay for and what they're after, and then you create something that meets that need. And as Doug said, NRC is, NRCC's story is exactly the opposite. We had a group of people get together 10, 12 years ago and kind of sit around and say, who are we, what are we, what does God want us to be? And it unfolded over the course of a decade, and now we're kind of at the point where we're saying, I think we know who we are. <laughs> we think we know who we're called to be. And we think we might recognize people who could be part of our tribe. And so now what we're simply doing is promoting that and saying, here's who we are. Would that be life-giving to you? So it's, it's the exact opposite. We're not speaking to suit. We haven't created something flashy and popular because we think we can sell it. What we're doing is simply saying, here's who we are. Would you like to join us? Would this make sense for you? So therefore, that leads us to that next bullet point is no stress. You don't have to go out and keep tick marks, and we're not going to make you turn in reports about how many people you invited and how many of them converted, and we're, you know, none of that. It's kind of neat. Um, quite frankly, we are not for everyone. And I am a, a management consultant by trade, and one of the things that we tell our clients all the time is the better you get at truly describing the work of a job, the more easy it is for people to self-select. 
when you really say, this is what the job is, people get it. Ooh, I love that, or no way. And that's kind of what we're doing here today with NRCC, is to say, what, what is the essence of NRCC? How can we describe it in an authentic way so that people can self-select? They can say, love it, want to be there, or no thank you. So the neat thing is all we have to do is listen carefully. If God nudges us and says, you know, I want you to talk to so-and-so or have you thought about this person, obey tenaciously. And the neat thing is the results are in God's hands. So that's the overarching theme that I want to bring to you today. Because if you go into a conversation with somebody and you want something from them, meaning you go into a conversation with the, the intent of getting them to visit or join NRCC, something shifts. Yuck. Yuck. And they feel it. And so we're not trying to get something from people. What we're trying to do is find a place where they'll fit. It may be NRCC, it may not. And so that's what I would offer to you is that that's how we want to enter into these conversations is, hmm, would it be a match? Would this be something that's interesting to you? And Part of this, part of what we're going to do today is kind of a crystallizing of thoughts and ideas. And what we found during the first service is that Doug was crystallizing quite a bit. (laughs) And so we had kind of a back and forth, and uh, Doug was in, you know, and we were back and forth with the group as well. And so it's kind of going to run like that, and that's what we want, and that's good. So I'm just setting expectations that this will be kind of the Michelle-Doug show and, and the community show. All right, so let's start with non-practicing Christian. We have a website called nonpracticingchristian.com that we developed, and it's been a year in the making. And um, I realized yesterday I'm so embedded in it that it didn't even occur to me to step back and say, well, why did we even do that, and what's, what's that about? So I want to start there. And I want to start with a visualization exercise. So I want you to shut your eyes and picture the world that you walk in. Maybe you'll picture your neighborhood or maybe you'll picture uh, a group of friends, or you'll picture your workplace. And I want to ask you, if you were, if they were going to fill out an anonymous survey, how many of them would identify themselves as Christians? If it just said, are you a Christian? How many people would check that box and say yes of those people who walk in your world? And then if the next question were, of those, if... If the next question were, how many of you are currently on the membership roles of a church, a Christian church, how many people of that group would check that box? And then if you were to take that group and ask them how many of them are actively involved and and actually draw life from the church they attend, how many would check that box? And now you get to open your eyes if they were if they were shut. And I would say, did your groups get successively smaller as you were picturing your people? And why is that? You know, we were looking around and trying to decide how to draw people in, and we thought to ourselves that there is this core group of people out there who do self-identify as Christians, but yet they're not in churches or maybe they're on the rolls of a church somewhere so that when their parents come into town they have a place to go but for the most part they're not involved so what is that what's caused that and then 
what we did is we looked at our own current member stories, the people who have come and been here a while and, and fit in here, and we said, you know, what has been their journey? And what we found is that a lot of them come from traditional backgrounds, traditional denominations, and then they moved into this place of being on fire. Now, what was interesting is, you know, as they moved into adulthood, they became on fire. Some people became on fire for the church, and they worked really hard, and they were dutiful, and they gave their all, and they met the goals, and they worked hard, and they did what the people told them to do. And some people decided, you know what, I'm on fire, and I'm going to make things happen, and this is life, and this is adulthood, and I'm going for it. And they actually became apathetic toward the church because they didn't feel like the church could serve their on-fireness, my need to compete, my need to make money, my need to make it in the world. So they left the church, and they were, on, they were probably on fire, but they were probably on fire about work or family or other things. So our world tends to go this way for most people. This is kind of a natural development pathway. So I come out of a traditional uh, background, and then I'm on fire for a while. But what happens after you've been on fire for a while? You burn out, right? <laughs> right. So what you find is you wake up one day and you say, gosh, you know, I've been on fire and I've done all these fabulous things and I have money and I have a family and I have this and I have that. I have nice clothes and I live in North Raleigh or whatever it is that we thought was important and worthwhile. And we go, but I'm empty. I've lost my wife. I'm now addicted to things that make me feel better because I'm lost and I'm this and I'm that and I'm burned and I'm, I realize I shouldn't have spent my time and energy here and I'm regretful. I'm this, I'm that. And so then what we want to do is we just say, uh-uh, I'm just going to be. And what we found is that this church happens to be a place for people who are kind of in that, I just want to be, I want to look inside, I want to figure out what's really meaningful and worthwhile and what gives me life. And I, I want to rediscover God, I want to rediscover potentially my family, I want to rediscover what, what work is life-giving to me. And so people in this place tend to fit here. And so what we did, now we're looping back around a non-practicing Christian, is to say that um, we have a lot of people here who've come this route, the burnout, I went to church and did the right things and burnout and came here. But we also have a group here that just left the church. They weren't burned by the church. They weren't hurt by the church. They just kind of, uh, there's not much there for me anymore, and they left. And so this is this group, the non-practicing Christian group, who we said, huh, maybe we can go after them, and maybe they'll fit here. Questions? Thoughts? Comments? All right, one of the things that I did, if you have not yet been to the non-practicing Christian site, some people don't like to read online, is I took all the content and I put it into a book. So a little bit later today, I will hand out this book to you in the event that you haven't read it online, don't, don't care to, that you can now have it in book form. And when you leave today, you can either take the book with you if you plan to read it or you have someone in mind who you might want to give it to, if you don't care to read it or you don't have someone in mind you want to give it to, then I would ask you to turn it back in and we'll recycle it in another way, shape, or form. So just want to let you know that that's coming. So the plan, what's the plan? Here's the plan. 
we said, well, first of all, our website, as it existed a year ago, didn't necessarily reflect the essence of who we are, so let's rework that. And we did that. Yay. <laughs> Woo! So that's up and running and uh, seems to be working and seems that we've had some people drawn in by it. Two sitting right here right now. I hope you don't mind me pointing to you. <laughs> and another one. Yay. And another one. Okay, see, it's working. So uh, so we're believing that it reflects who we are. Our new people will say, no, no, bait and switch. Um, or yes, yes, reality as time, as time goes on. And we, we might tweak the site based on that information. We've launched Non-Practicing Christian. And so now we are into this next step, which is use street marketing techniques to induce site visits, right? So we don't have $100,000 to advertise in the NNO. We can't buy billboards. Um, we don't have a huge media budget. So what do we do with that? And also, a lot of non-practicing Christians may not even be looking for a church. So if we do churchy-type advertising, they may look right over it. So what we decided is step number one, we're, we're probably going to do a series of campaigns, but we're going to start small with an inexpensive campaign, and we're saying, let's do some magnets. And what do the magnets say? They say, do you believe in church but not in God? WWW, non-practicing Christian. Do you believe in God but not church? Thank you. Thank you. I didn't even hear that, so. Yes. Um. That's why you're here to catch me. So we created some magnets, and the goal and the purpose behind the magnets is to uh, put them on mailboxes. So take one, pass them, and you'll have an opportunity to take more if you care to later. Uh, but we actually are going to gather some youth and have them um, work through some neighborhoods and put them on the mailboxes. So um, that's not your job necessarily to distribute them, but if, again, if you feel the need and you want to, you can take a stack and put them in different places. I've been experimenting so far, and I've put them on the back of um, <laughs> stalls in public bathrooms. Uh, I have actually gone into the bookstore and shoved them in, inside of certain books, um, the Brian McLaurin books in Borders, and uh, I will tell you that my personality is not well suited for this. So I'm in there, and my heart started pounding, and I started sweating. And, and I said, okay, you know, don't look around, don't look around, because that's what they're looking for, people who are nervously looking around. You know, they're the ones who steal things, so don't do that, don't do that. So I'm like, okay, God, please cover me, cover me, I'm going in. And I kind of open up a book and shove one in and stick it back. And I did about three of those, and I said, this is not for me. Okay. Um, so if that, if that kind of thrill-seeking is your thing, I would invite you to do some of that. It's not working for me. Um, so anyway, that's the plan with the magnets. It was a very inexpensive idea. Um, it's not illegal to put something on the outside of a mailbox. We're not putting anything on the inside of a mailbox. And that is the plan with the magnets. We also, just as an experiment, printed two real estate signs that say, um, given up on church but not on God, welcome nonpracticingchristian.com. There's actually one out in front of the church right now. I don't know if you saw it. And I actually put one at the end of the exit ramp at uh, Creedmoor in 540. And once again, it was, you know, I got out of my van. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing God's work, I'm doing God's work. 
and, and, you know, just look like you know what you're doing. Hold, you know, hold your shoulders high, hold your shoulders high. And again, uh, we're going to have to find someone else who wants to do that kind of thing because it will not be me. Uh, also, that was our first experiment. It, we got two signs very inexpensively, and already I'm realizing that the, the text is not chunky and big enough. There, so, so we'll be revamping that. We're tweaking, we're learning. Uh, also, Michael Steerhoff is doing some search engine optimization, using keywords, those kinds of things to maybe draw in people. Um, we're looking at some flyers. We've got our booklets. And then down the road, uh, we thought about even having uh, bottled water, the labels printed, nonpracticingchristian.com, and going somewhere like Arts Flosure or to the city parks and just handing them out to people. Um, but that's expensive, and that's down the road, and that may be, we may not even need that. We don't know. The next thing we want to do is actually actively promote NRCC. So aside from uh, non-practicing Christian, which is a parallel path going in the background, is let's go ahead and, and actually think about promoting NRCC. So how do we want to do this? Well, we know that 90% of the people who visit a church do so because they were invited by someone who's at the church. So obviously we're, this is where we encourage you to invite people. Now, not just anybody, right? but people who we really think would, ha- would get life here. Another thing you can do is um, experiment on online forums. You know, Craigslist has a, a forum called Spirituality. Um, I've gone on and kind of surreptitiously posted some posts here and there and stuck some links here and there and um, already have some people really angry with me. Uh, <laughs> but there are ways you can do this. We talked about linking to our sites from Facebook and those kinds of things, again, the more links you have coming into your site, the higher you come up in searches. So we want to be sophisticated. We want to do some of these things. If you do go online forums, you know, again, there is a certain etiquette. You don't start out immediately just, hey, go to this church. It's fabulous. You want to kind of subtly start some conversations and work up a reputation, and then you might throw something in as God leads. Yes, yes. But I just want to put those things out there. Another thing that we have is, remember, I promised stuff. So something that we've known we've needed forever, uh, but just haven't done for a variety of reasons, is, well, what if I'm chatting with somebody and they're actually interested in the church? Could I have a business card or something to give to them? So we have created, so, so to speak, business cards, promotion cards for the church. So take a couple of those if you like. <laughs> is that a fish? Your daughter. Oh, hi, Haven. And uh, I got about 500 of those. There are more in the back. So what I want to say is if you like those and you think you might want some or you have a place to put them or people to give them to, take what you think you'll use. Um, No more, no less. And if you notice, if you flip it over on the back, we got a little plug-in for our sister site there um, for those who go, ooh, yeah, church, no way, no thank you. Um, You could flip it over and go, hey, (laughs) here's parallel path number two. Maybe you might want to visit nonpracticingchristian.com. All right, so where are we? Signage, we've also talked about potentially doing, again, just signs out front of the church saying things that might attract our target market and just putting promotional things up and going in a series of campaigns. So we haven't gotten that far, but that's in the plans. Uh, Again, Michael's working on SEO, uh, search engine optimization keywords. We're considering potentially pay-per-click. We're not there yet. Another thing that falls under this bucket are outreach events. And right now we're um, 
bubbling up the idea of potentially having a public safety day, child safety day. LaDonna and I were, t- were um, talking about this. This is LaDonna Summers. If you don't know her, wave LaDonna. Woo! And we're bubbling up the idea of, hey, could this, this church sponsor a child safety day where we invite moms to come and have car seats checked, fingerprinting, Okay, and and Susan Ramsey said she has some connections potentially. So if that kind of thing sounds exciting and you have some ideas, we're, we're thinking maybe spring, maybe the, the week after we do our, our yard work day so everything looks pretty. And um, so we want to do things, again, that are authentic and they're real. Um, we're not doing this necessarily, again, to fill seats, but we're believing that potentially the moms who show up may be in that crowd who went this path potentially, and now they have young children, and they're going, and this was my experience, so this is why I say this, is I'd grown up in a traditional path, kind of left, met my husband, we went into his traditional path for a while, wanted to be married in the church, got married in the church, then kind of found it unsustainable, floated back away, then I had my first son, and we kind of went, ooh, now we have children, now what do we do? And neither one of us really wanted to go back to where we came from, but we didn't know where forward was. And uh, so a lot of young mothers are in that position. I want my children to have a spirituality. I want them to have a place, but I'd, it's not this. I don't know what it is. And we're believing that for a lot of young mothers, this is that place. So the, that's the reasoning behind that. And, and, you know, if they never come, they never come back, that's fine. We're serving our community, and that's another thing we want to do. And then from in the, under the public relations bucket, that uh, has to do with press releases and trying to get media attention. And I did actually send in a press release about nonpracticingchristian.com uh, to the religion reporter in the, at the Raleigh News and Observer, and she ignored it. However, <laughs> we put the meditation practicum, I just put that in the events column, and Doug got a call from the lady this week who wanted to know what a meditation practicum was. So he chatted with her. Did she promise you a story? I never asked that question. She was just curious. Okay. But we're believing that potentially what we're doing is interesting enough that we may actually get some press on on this. So we're staying open to that. Yes, and another route we've considered but don't have the legs to do yet would be even just advertising in community newsletters, going to homeowners associations and buying a $20, $30 ad in a... a, uh, home association newsletter and those are the kinds of things especially the free ones that we're interested in doing it is interesting you know we're getting ready to invite people in and we're saying but yet we don't have a lot of money so it's an interesting you know okay god we think we're doing the right thing and uh i like to say leap and the net will appear that's kind of where we are at the moment we're believing that this is what we're to do and so we're believing the money to do it will will follow all right, now, I know you can't read this, and that's okay. That's by design, because I didn't feel like uh, doing anything more than cutting and pasting this out of a Word document. But quite a ways back, I did a survey in the church, and I said, hey, when people talk to you about church, what do they ask you? And these are our results. I promised I'd give you results. It was a long time ago, but I didn't forget. And here they are. And I wanted to start by saying, okay, some of them are just flat-out factual things, and I put the answers here. Um, others are much more open. They, have, they call for open-ended answers. So, and the number one thing that was asked was, what's your denomination? And then quickly followed by that is, and what's Foursquare? 
Um, so I am going to have Doug talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to take some shots at this one. Why do you like it? What drew you here? How is it different? What's the style? What, tell me about youth ministry. Tell me about children's ministry. Um, the rest of them, again, are fairly straightforward. We've got, we're about 150 people. Here's where we are. Doug Hammock's our pastor. Home groups, small groups. At this point, the way I answer this is they kind of ebb and flow. We do things as needed, and they're good for a while, and then they close, and we open the next one. We do have breathing groups that are fairly consistent and seem to speak to um, the needs of our community. Um, programs, you know, again, yes, we have programs, but no, we don't have anything that's set in stone solid going all the time. They ebb and flow as well. Outside ministries right now, we're working on city services relatively new. Again, we have been somewhat inward focused. Now we're moving outward. Dress code, I always say flexible. Times are pretty self-evident. And we're, the church is about 12, 12 years old. So I'm going to have Doug speak to denomination and... Then we're going to do some processing. When, uh, when people ask about a denomination, that can't be good. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Ha <laughs> 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 look at that. When people ask about a de- denomination, they're really asking for us to describe norms for them. And we are part of a denomination. However, when we answer that question, we can't give people the norms that they're looking for. Someone asks about a denomination because they expect to receive belief norms, because everybody in this denomination believes all these things. And they're asking for style norms. Everyone in this denomination practices their religion this way. We are a four-square church. If you didn't know that, that's the group that we are part of. And I've been all over the world, and I've seen lots and lots and lots of four-square churches, and here's the deal. We believe a whole lot of different things, and we practice our religion in a whole lot of different ways. And, in fact, uh, our founder was very fond of Luther's saying from, uh, from the Reformation time, which was, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, charity, and in all things, liberty. And that is kind of at the core of what we think, which is, yes, we are Christian, but everything else kind of open for you all to interpret wherever you are. So telling someone that we are four square doesn't give them any sense of bearing at all. It's not like if we were Catholic or if we were Baptist or if we were Unity Church or if we were Methodist. So in fact, for the longest time, Foursquare would not even call itself a denomination, called themselves, ourselves, a movement. Because it was a group of people committed to a set of ideals, but pursuing those ideals in very, very different ways. So, I'll give you a little bit of history so that you know. The movement started in the 1920s from one very dynamic church in Los Angeles that was uh, led by a very uh, unusually gifted woman who tapped into resources in Hollywood so she would do all kinds of crazy things uh, during the course of a Sunday morning, like ride a motorcycle into the church to illustrate uh, something. I don't know what it was. These are just stories that I heard. I was, I was not born. Uh, she wore these long, flowing gown kinds of things, and she would swing from the balcony to the platform as a way of making a grand entrance, and she had Hollywood set people who would help her with things, and so there was no television back then. It was, then it was kind of the best show in town, and so the church grew. It became, but they were rooted in some very significant ideals, which I'll tell you in a moment, and out of that church, people went all over the world to, uh, to carry um, these ideals. 
We have actually in our movement more churches overseas than we have in the United States, and consequently there's a tremendous amount of diversity within Foursquare. And there's a value set that says we allow for all of that diversity. Some Foursquare churches look like a Baptist church. Some look like a charismatic church. Some look like an evangelical church. Others look like great big media churches or uh, seeker-focused churches. And there are a few, not very many, who look like our church. And most of the ones who look like our church are usually in Washington State or Oregon because there is something in the Northeast that's a little more... um, Northwest, that's a little more like us. I don't know why. Um, But the value set that all churches within our denomination do have, besides the obvious one of being Christian, is there too. Number one, we help other churches get started. That's just a core fundamental belief of this group. Help other churches get started. We, We believe you advance the kingdom of God by starting communities, where communities of people get connected to each other, and so we start communities. That's what we do. If you want to make your bones as a four-square pastor, you don't go over and take over the biggest church in the area and become, that's how you've arrived at the top. What you do is you go out and you start a church, and you start a community where there wasn't one. And that's one thing that we believe in. The second thing that we really focus on is working toward unity among all the churches. So bringing together Catholic and Protestant and Evangelical and Charismatic and Liturgical all together, all one all part of a family. So, with that little bit of background, I'll tell you how I talk about denomination when people ask me. I don't say the word Foursquare anymore because it confuses people. They don't know what it is, they don't have a context, and in the process of explaining, I just have to say, well, it's irrelevant anyway. So I don't even go there. What I say is that we're part of a uh, group of churches that are interdenominational in focus. And then I tell them about the diversity part. And I tell them about how they're all different and they are all uh, do things different ways that you don't know any church in our group unless you know that particular church in our group. And then I tell them about NRCC and I tell them about us and what our values are, which we're going to talk about in a moment when we talk about our beliefs. If they're still curious and if you're curious and if you haven't looked it up, it would be good for you to go look at our, web, the, our denomination's website, which is foursquare.org. You could go look that up. Because you'll see, basically, that we're Christian and that we allow for a tremendous amount of diversity. So that being said, that's how I talk about denomination. Any questions? Foursquare used to be a vocabulary word that people used in the 20s. And what it meant was to stand solidly on something. So it was a clever play on words to say that we stand solidly on, and then we got a little logo that's four squares. And in one there's a crown, in one there's a cross, and one there's a cup, and one there's a dove. And we say these are the four aspects of Jesus, and we stand solidly on those. It was clever when it was minted, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not saying it's not now. I just... Anything else you want to know? Okay. Thank you, Doug. So where are we? We're on articulations. We're on the home stretch now. This is where we're going to be sharing some thoughts. And again, if we take our survey and we say the first questions that come up are denominations and beliefs, what I want to do is capture from you just a list. And we need to do short, pithy things, phrases, bullet points of if someone were to say, hey, Tell me about your denomination, your beliefs. What are some of the things that come to mind, in your mind, that describe 
NRCC denomination slash beliefs. So here's what I'd like to do, because thinking about these things is one thing, but what I want to do is actually do a practicum and just briefly what I want you to do, and if you're an, an introvert, I'm sorry, that's why we did some of this preparing. Thank you. Um, what I'd like you to do is I want you to um, consider the question as if I were someone who works with you and we went to lunch one day and that person asked the question, tell me about your denomination or your beliefs. What would you say to them? So here's, here's the assignment is turn to somebody next to you. If you're a new visitor and you want to join another group, that's good. If you're a visitor and you just want to talk amongst yourself, that works too. Um, so you get 30 seconds to 40 seconds to say, if someone asked you, tell me about your denominations and or your beliefs, what would you say? And then I'm going to say switch, and whoever you're with, I want, then I want that person to say the same thing back. Questions? Pardon? Because we can think these things, but until we actually speak them, quite frequently, we really, they don't exist for us. So I'm giving you practice. And then, when we're all done, I'm going to say, wow, did anything bubble up that's really important that's not on our list that we feel like we need to say? That's why. So, I'm starting right now. We've got about 90 seconds. We're going to do 30 seconds one person, switch, 30 seconds the other person, go. All right? And so those were the, the top two things that people ask, at least according to our survey. So that's why we just practiced that. And we shared. And you'll notice this next one, why do you like it, what drew you there? Those kinds of questions generally follow next. And my answer to that is probably whatever you said to answer that, you could fill in the blank as an answer to that. Likely the things that you would say are unique and and interesting and good about our church are also what drew you here and why you like it. Now, we are very quickly running out of time, but I think these are important things to address, so we're going to touch them quickly. Worship is another thing that people ask about. What do we say about our worship? What is our worship, and what does it look like? We tell stories. We tell stories. We sing songs. We sing songs. Thank you, Doug. We meditate. We meditate. We're in a hurry. All right. We live as a community and share with each other. We live as a community and we share with one another. That community hour is our worship. So it's not just songs, it's stories, it's journeys, it's breakfast, it's eating together as a form of worship. So I want you to broaden. So those are all worship. We share our experiences of God in everyday life as a form. We do communion. Yes. All right. The next one's children's ministry and youth ministry. That was last week. We are moving into a new place with that. And some of the core things that came out of that are... You had some crystallization you wanted to share here, so let's just cut right to them. When we talk about our children, we really do talk about um, a way of thinking. And it kind of crystallized in my mind this week when I was talking to Andy about it. And what I said was the way people have experienced church 
we are very much trying to make a huge culture shift. And I think it will be important for us to be able to articulate this culture shift. The way people have experienced church, most of us in North America, is that we take 20% of the members of the community and we put them in a hierarchy. And there's the head guy, that's the, the pastor or the minister. Then there's the, the less head people, which would be the deacons and the elders. And then there's the volunteers. And then these people serve the clients, which is the congregation, the community. And that model is so, it is ubiquitous. It is all around us. Everywhere you go, in wherever you work and live, we have gotten used to the pyramid as a way human beings organize themselves. And so we apply it everywhere. And so we've applied it to church with sometimes very negative consequences. Negative consequences for the people who make it into the pyramid and negative consequences for the people who don't. Because the people who don't have ownership of the community, of the spiritual community, of the church, of being the called out ones, it's a New Testament word, have that ownership taken away from them because they become passive recipients. And so what you heard last week as we talked about our children and our youth was about our children and our youth, but it was very much about a shift in our culture to say we can't have that pyramid client uh, model of, of the way that we would be a spiritual community. We have to go back and think clearly what it is about tribe that we have been talking about as we use the term tribe. So let's use Native American tribes that we have images and pictures in our mind from movies we've seen. Time to kill a buffalo because we're hungry. So everybody goes out and kills the buffalo. Now the buffalo's dead, and everybody skins the buffalo. And now the, the hides need to be tanned, and the meat needs to be uh, carved up and dried. So some of us tan the hides, and some of us uh, carve up the meat, and now everybody gathers to the fire and eats the buffalo and dances that we have buffalo for the next uh, two months. And every then we break into some specialization, and some people carve the bones into spearheads, and some people do other things that are going to help us catch other buffaloes in the future, and we all belong. Now, there's some people, and this will be what we've done with the pyramid over here, that actually direct the traffic. Some members of the tribe direct the traffic and say, okay, hunters go hunt, and okay, tanners start tanning, and okay, spear makers start making spears. And some people direct tribe, but they're just a member of the tribe, and their role is doing that. But if we keep this model of 20% who make it to the pyramid and the 80% who become the clients of the pyramid, we move ourselves into this passive place of recipients of church. We go to church and we say, okay, do me now. Make me feel good, make me feel spiritual, make me feel condemned, make me feel happy, make me feel unhappy. Do what you do to me and then I'll go out and I'll live my life. Which is toxically poison to the people who are part of that. So you're watching me change the culture of NRCC. And it started with these little jobs that we did for breakfast. Everybody gets assigned to the breakfast. It starts with all of us taking a sense of responsibility for our children and for our youth. And it's going to continue on. We're going to have some desserts as we get into the spring where you're going to come over to my house and I'm going to tell you some about culture stuff in our church and about how we all as a community need to own the place of the community and what that feels like. And it's going to be foreign territory because we're used to having someone do the thing for us, be the expert for us, and we become the recipients of that, and we're going to have to shift that culture. Well, that has direct bearing on what you heard last week about our children and our youth. We're going to take care of them excellently, but we're going to do it in the midst of this tribal shifting thinking process. Are, are you finished? Michelle? No. Got All one right. more thing. All right. Sorry. We're hurrying. Sorry yes. we're late. Relax, what? and I'll try and relax. <laughs> 
All right, last thing, non-practicing Christian. Just again, if you haven't been to the site, what we did was we, we created themes, and there were five of them, and then we created bullets under themes. The five themes are for people who believe church is irrelevant, uh, they're embarrassed by the way that some church people act, stifled their growth, the church has actually stifled the growth rather than uh, facilitating it, people have doubts, or people who want their kids in church, but... So I'm going to hand the books out. Take one. If you, want, if you want it, take one. If you don't, don't. If you want to take it with you and give it to someone, please do. Uh, all I'm going to say is the way that this was written is we took this stance, and I would suggest this to you as well if you came up upon someone who was a non-practicing Christian, is to simply say, yes, that's true. Sometimes uh, church people are hypocrites. Sometimes church can stifle your growth. And then you say, either I've had a similar experience or there are people within our community who've had that same experience. And then you say, and the way that we look at that is, and again, Doug and I and a group came together to write this site, and the way that we articulated it is in that book, so we're sharing that with you. And then, of course, we encourage you to add or subtract, in your own words, how you might think that through. And now I'm done. We've done ideas and questions, and I want to shift back to Doug. Oh, sorry, one last thing. So materials, the business cards, the magnets, and the books, there are more on the back table as you leave today. If you have intentions to use them, please take them. If you don't care for what you even got today, put them back on the table and we'll use them. Tell Michelle, thank you. And not just thank you for today, but thank you for what has taken um, a year of a great deal of work and effort to think through and fashion who we are, because the discomfort that people feel with marketing, we feel it first. The whole idea that we would go out and peddle NRCC is just an odious feeling. And Michelle has done a tremendous amount of work to help us think through both the spiritual dimensions as well as the practical dimensions. So I am just very thankful. Really, thank her again. I mean, what she's what she's done. All right. If you would please prepare your tithes and offerings, and as you're doing that, what are you thinking about? What is